No, the amazing thing it was, I wasn't even here. <laughs> but I remember because I listened to the podcast and uh, it was talking about New Year's resolutions and how sometimes we laugh at them, but sometimes we actually need to believe for new things. And uh, that was a good word, Peter. So I'm looking forward to what God's going to say to us this morning through Previously Shares. He's been a, uh, a pastor for many years and uh, also Kimberly's father. But uh, we welcome you this morning, Peter. Thank you. It works. It's good to be back. Yeah, it was New Year's Eve the last time I was here. And uh, I don't know if you recall, um, I made this little promise to myself that I would try to read through the Bible in the year. For those of you who are here might remember that. I'm actually up to date. Yes. I just thought um, I got fairly shall I say, strict instructions from my daughter to keep it short because there was a baptism. That's no longer the case, Kim, sorry. <laughs> I've just got the finger. Whoa. Yeah. Um, I want to just uh, read a passage of the Scriptures first before I uh, start. It's a psalm that uh, spoke to me a great deal in the times that I was going through some problems. And uh, it's a psalm that David wrote also when he was being uh, persecuted by Saul. And it's Psalm 13. And here it says, he's asking all the questions. It says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. My enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. And here's the kicker. Then he says, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. David made a choice to focus upon God. And that last song that we just sung is probably one of my favorite of all the current songs around that we proclaim the name of Jesus because that's what it's all about. He has the name that is above every name and at his name every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. You know, when um, Andrew SMSed me and asked if I'd be willing to bring a message to you, um, I was sort of, I started to pray a bit about what, what message do I bring today. And at that time I had just finished reading a book written by Lynn Austin. I don't know if any of you read some of her stuff. It's actually quite good. And uh, she'd written this book called Pilgrimage. Have any of you read that? I know Kim has and my wife's read it. 
It's a book where she goes with her husband to Israel. And by the way, a little plug, we are taking another group to Israel in September next year, okay? If you're interested, talk to me. Um, but she goes to Israel. And in it, she goes through all the various places and then she relates it back to her issues in her life. The, some of the issues that she's going through, some of the turmoil, some of the problems, some of the changes that are happening in her life. And she relates the various places back to what was going on at the time and then relating it to her situation. And I thought it was, it was a fantastic book with many little mini sermons in it. If you ever get a chance to read it, read it. It is really good. And I thought it's a, a thing that we need to often think about. And it reminded me of a story of a, a young boy who went to a shop and he walked into the shop and he was looking around and then the shopkeeper asked him, what are you after? And he said, I need some dynamo detergent. And uh, the shopkeeper asked, well, what's, the deter what's this for? He said, I want to wash my dog. And uh, the shopkeeper said, well, that's pretty powerful stuff to be washing a dog. And he, this boy insisted he needed the dynamo detergent. So the shopkeeper said, okay, sold it to him. A week or so later, this boy was back in the shop again, and the shopkeeper recognised him and said, uh, how do you go with the dynamo and the dog? He said... Okay, but the dog's not too good now. And then the shopkeeper said, well, I told you it was pretty strong stuff. He said, well, it wasn't so much the detergent, it was the rinse and spin cycle that got to the dog. <laughs> you know where he'd put the dog, don't you? <laughs> but it made me think that how many of us, if not all of us, go through rinse and spin cycles in our lives? We have our times when we have hard times. And it may be, in the it may be from the result of relationship problems. It may be problems at work or with the work, the kind of work that we do. It may be Kids, children, health. Health is a big one, often. Or it could be anything, really. But you know, it does happen. We go through those cycles in life. Bad things happen to good people. They do. We've got to face reality in that. And they happen to Christians as well. People who follow Christ go through some difficult times. In fact, you know that the Bible never actually promises us good times? Because if you look back in all the stories of the Bible, they went through very difficult times. The disciples, you read the, the epistles and Acts and the epistles, it's amazing what they went through. They were going through some pretty hefty rinse and spin cycles. 
Now my aim this morning is not to tell you anything new, but rather to simply remind you of something that you already know. And I do that because there are times when we forget. And we live, you know, we live in a non-Christian world. In fact, I think it's more than that. We actually live today, I believe, much more in an anti-Christian world. We are constantly having to fight. This morning, just this morning, I was watching the news on one of the breakfast programs. And there's now pushes to get these non-gender toilets around the place. Yet we're living in a non-Christian or an anti-Christian world where all sorts of things are being pushed on us and we need as followers of Jesus Christ to fight this and to bring back the truth of the Scriptures. You know, sometimes what is, what is right is overwhelmed by what is wrong and what is happening in our lives. It's an ongoing battle, and the church is not exempt from it. I was thinking about this morning as we were praying out in the back there. You know, we, we live in a wonderful country where we have freedoms to be able to come together like this without any fear of hindrance or persecution. But there are many places around our world where that's not the case. But yet, Jesus is still proclaimed. Amen? You know, one day, I was thinking about this too, that if we are going through these battles, we need to be ready and prepared for them. And we need to be ready and prepared for that day when Jesus comes back. When we're going to stand before him and he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. And we need to be ready for that. But getting back to this whole aspect of uh, the problems that we at times face, and there are times when we as human beings, which is a natural tendency, we want to solve those problems. We want to really clear them up and we think we have all the right answers and Jesus often had very encouraging conversations with people and he said things and did things that of course we can learn from and the words of Jesus in in this wonderful book can inspire us and help us through the times when we got when we have do have problems you know whenever jesus or whenever god speaks there is power there is power and there's provision for our needs and when god speaks great things happen and we need to believe that and i want to share with you a, a passage this morning a little story that you've probably all heard and know of it's in John chapter 9. John chapter 9, verse 1 through to 7. It, the story is actually a lot longer than that. It pretty well covers nearly the whole of chapter 9. But I want to just um, share uh, the first little bit of this. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. 
his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus said this, he said, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must be the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. And while I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. And having said this, he spat on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means the scent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. Simple little beautiful story. And you know, when, when God's creative acts are spoken, and, and um, I think of the, the time when God said, let there be light, and there was light, it happened. And light was precisely what this man in this story needed. You know, he, he, had, he was born blind, so he didn't know what a rainbow looked like. He didn't know what the, the beauty of flowers. He didn't know the beauty of a, a sunrise. Now, I wasn't up early enough this morning to see a sunrise, but I have seen some beautiful sunrises out where we live in Adelaide. He never held his breath at the sight of a sunset. The face of his parents, he never knew them. The world, in his case, was colourless. It was black. Nothing there. And it's really hard to imagine what that is actually like. For us who can see clearly, it's hard for us to imagine. But the good news is that when Jesus crossed the path of this man, there was an incredible change. He received the gift of sight and later on, he received the gift of eternal life. The miracle not only met his physical needs, but it also met his spiritual needs. And from this miracle, I just want to pull out a couple of little insights that I saw in the passage when I read it. And the first little insight that I saw was that uh, this story opens our eyes to is this. He says, look for blessing, not blame. Look for blessing, not blame. And one of the greatest keys to winning in life is a good attitude. And this story contrasts the winning attitude of Jesus with the various examples of the attitudes that were going on around him. And the first attitude that needed correcting quite quickly was that of his own disciples. Because what did his disciples ask? Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? You know, sin has consequences. But not those, those consequences are not always punishment. Jesus pointed out a better mindset. 
instead of pointing the finger when you face big problems, you have another option. Because this is how Jesus replied. He said, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. What a beautiful saying, isn't it? Beautiful comeback. I like what the message says in this particular verse. The message puts it this way. It said, you're asking the wrong question. You're looking for someone to blame. There's no such cause effect here. Look instead for what God can do. Look instead for what God can do. And here you have specific instructions from Jesus on what to do when you encounter a big problem. Look for what God can do. Look for what he can do. See those problems as opportunities for God to display his power in your life. You know, it's a shame that the disciples didn't look at this man with a desire to help him in his trouble. Instead, what they looked for was a theological discussion. People don't need a lot of words when they're facing big problems. They don't. They need help. Sometimes it's just an arm around them. That's all they need. You know, they're hurting. So deal with it in a way that is God-honoring so that God is glorified. You know, if, uh, if you're bleeding to death in an emergency room, how would you feel if the doctor came up and walked up to you and started to talk to you about the Greek word for hospital or the history of the stethoscope. Doesn't help the situation, does it? Or whatever he says, it might be true, but it's irrelevant in your particular situation because it doesn't deal with the hurt that might be there or that is there. You would want to to, for the doctor to deal with your problem, your pain, and not hear about anything else. You don't always want to have nice and neat explanations as to why problems occur. Don't waste your time in the blame game when you, when you need to be more involved in working toward a solution. Don't get caught up in the often useless pursuit of the question, why? We do that. We have that tendency to do that. Why? And even say, why, Lord? I've done it. Why did God let this happen? Why do good people suffer? Why do volcanoes hit certain places? And that's happening at the moment. Why this? Why that? You know, when you're facing life's big problems, 
Your time can be more efficiently spent doing the works that Jesus did, telling the good news to the poor and seeking solutions to your problems instead of moaning about the fact that your problems do exist. Jesus continues answering the question of the disciples by telling them how to live life. He says in verses 4 and 5, As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Don't get so distracted in life trying to solve problems that you fail to stay being busy to do what God wants you to do. What should you do in the big problems of life? Keep doing what you normally do. Keep on doing the task that God's called you to do. And if he called you to be a parent, be the best parent you can be. Don't let down on your parenting because you're facing problems at work or wherever. Don't let down on your marriage because paying the bills has become extremely difficult. Don't go around asking why. Use the gifts and the abilities that you have, that you've been blessed with, the experiences and the skills that you have as an indication of what God wants you to do. And then get busy and keep on doing these things. You'll find that when you, you do that, you know, it's often the problems work themselves out. It often does. And while you keep on doing the things you're supposed to do, look for what God can do. Look for those blessings as to what God, how God can deal with it. Don't let yourself sink into depression, mourning about your problems or moaning about your problems. Always asking why doesn't solve the issues. Roll up your sleeves. Stay busy with what you have been called to do. And as you do so, God will add that strength that you will need to be able to cope and to go through and to go on. And while you're looking for blessing and not blame, here's the second thing that I saw in this passage. Have faith that God can work outside the box. Just have a look how, look carefully how God, Jesus performed this miracle. Having said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva. And I was, th I was thinking about that. Boy, that would be a lot of spit to make a bit of mud, wouldn't it? And he put that on, his, on the man's eyes. And then he said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means scent. And I've been to that pool. There was no water in it when I was last there, but I've been there. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. Now, the average person would probably have expected Jesus to speak words place his hands on the eyes and heal him. But Jesus did something unusual. He did something different. He did something unexpected. So don't 
as I relate to this in our lives, in our problems, don't expect God to be limited in helping you solve your problem in the normal, conventional way. Don't limit God to your preconceived ideas about how he's going to act. You know, God will often do things in ways that you never, ever thought of. Because God has an unlimited imagination. He has unlimited resources. And that's why the Bible says very clearly in Luke chapter 1, nothing is impossible for God. Nothing is impossible for God. Don't try to make God resolve into your way of thinking. Don't try to make him do what you would expect. Allow him to be God in your life, to be Lord of your life. Give him that room to do the unexpected. Place your trust in him. Put your life in his hands and do the task he's called you to do. And then trust him to do the rest. His way. God does it all. He does his work in his own way, not our way. And you know, as I was thinking about this, this is very exciting. It's very exciting and it's also encouraging. Just to think about, God, I believe you do it your way. You do it your way. And Nell and I have experienced it in many ways in, in our lives over the last nearly 30 years since we went invo became involved in missions and ministry. He did it his way. You know, uh, the rest of that chapter... It covers the story of the blind man's frustration in dealing with the Pharisees. And if anyone was dark about Jesus, these Pharisees were very dark. And it was mainly because of their preconceived ideas of who the Messiah should be. Or what he was to be like. In verse 16, it says, Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. Jesus could not be God in their minds because he healed this man on the Sabbath day. I find that a bit uncaring. Like the disciples, they too missed the point. They were, they were just more people with silly attitudes. Not only did they want to place blame, and in this case they wanted to blame Jesus for breaking their Sabbath rules, but they also failed to respect and receive Jesus due to their unwillingness to let God work outside the box. To them, if Jesus wanted their blessing, he had to work within the limits of their rule book. I don't know if any of you saw this program the other night on SBS about this, uh, what do they call it, ascetic Jews or something? Yeah. 613 rules. My goodness. 
And they, these Pharisees were stuck on their Sabbath rules. <clears throat> and they failed to receive Jesus completely. They failed to see who he was. Because to them, if they wanted the blessing of, Jesus, uh, the blessing of um, God, Jesus had to work in those rules. They didn't receive Jesus as God. And we too need to at times be careful about making the mistake of limiting God to way, the way we want things, to the way we as humans do things. Have faith that God can work outside that box. And the last thing that I saw in this passage as a, a way of overcoming life's big problems is that we need to put in our trust in God for who he is, not just what he can do. Look at verse 7 again. He says, Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam, that meaning sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. You don't want to make the Bible say things that it doesn't say. But neither do we want to miss that symbolism, symbolism of Jesus' actions. Because never did anything that Jesus did, it didn't have some sort of purpose in it. In the New Testament, Jesus often spoke in, in parables. He was, uh, I think he was the master of that, of storytelling and proving a point that made it easier for people to, to get a grip of what he was trying to say. He knew what we've been, seen already. People have preconceived ideas about him and about the truth, and they need something extra, sometimes to shake them loose from their bias. So he makes this man go and he makes him wash the mud off his eyes. And what would that say to the man? What would it say to the disciples? And what does it say to us? Maybe I'm too simple-minded, but I'll tell you what it says to me. You can't see if you've got dirt in your eyes. Simple as that. You can't see if you've got dirt in your eyes. And not, but it's not the kind of dirt that you think. Not, it's, it's not the dirt of sin, but more the dirt of wrong outlook on life. Jesus clearly stated that this man was not blind because of sin. He was a sinner, for sure. We're all sinners in need of forgiveness, as we saw before. And by the way, I'm glad you took that dot off your shirt, Andrew, because... Uh, I was going to walk down there and take it off and put it on there. Yeah, we, like I said, we're all sinners in need of forgiveness. This man's blindness wasn't a direct result of anyone's sin. It wasn't the dirtiness of sinful deeds that Jesus wanted this man to wash from his eyes. I think the mud on this, eye, on this man's eyes represents the mud in all of our eyes. And that is the vision that says what we, need from, for, what we need God for 
is what he can do for us. Just think about that. The truth is, we need God for who he is. Not for what he can do for us, for who he is. Yeah, that man, this man in the story had even greater need than being healed from blindness. He needed a saviour. You have more important needs than finding solutions to your problems. We all are in the need of a saviour. And Jesus is that perfect saviour. And that's what I love about that song that we sang so appropriate Jesus didn't just want this man to see he wanted him to experience the truth about God Jesus once asked the question that begged for an answer in Mark chapter 8 he says what good is it for a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul what would the blind man have gained if he had received physical sight but not spiritual sight. What do you gain if God solves all your problems and you don't understand spiritual truth? The Pharisees challenged the man's claim of having been given sight by Jesus. But this man did not back away. He didn't back away from these religious hypocrites. You know, they even kicked him out of the synagogue. And Jesus heard, in verse 35, Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And the man asked, Who is he, sir? Tell me so that I may believe in him. And Jesus said, You have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking to you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. The miracle wasn't finished until this man trusted Jesus through faith and worshipped. It wasn't complete until he had a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. You see, the plan of God is not just to solve your problems. The plan of God is for you to worship him. That's the plan of God, for you to worship him. You were created to serve God. You were created to give him glory. And it doesn't matter if you solve all of your problems. If you fail to worship God, you've missed the boat. So put your trust in God for who he is and not just what he can do. And the greatest resource for problem resolution is giving a personal or having a personal relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. And I want to put that question to you this morning. Do you have that personal relationship with Jesus? Because if not, I want to encourage you to pray. Talk to Pastor Andrew. Talk to one of the leaders in the church. Get that personal relationship with Jesus. 
it is so important to know him, to love him, to serve him. It's not going to solve all your problems. It doesn't. But it sure gives you a lot of comfort to know that there is a God who cares for you. There is Jesus, his son, who died for you. And that, you know, all those dots there, you're forgiven. Because they're on that cross. Done, finished, kaput. Let's ask the worship team to come back up and to, uh, that we can respond. I don't know if you've got a song picked out or not. Have you, Mandy? You have? Good on you. Otherwise, I was going to say, sing that song again. (laughs) 